Oh my goodness. Welcome and welcome back to episode 21 of Dicks and Politics. I can't believe it. We're over the, the halfway hump, I guess. We're over the half hill. You've got me, Samantha. And Cece Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> and joined, we also have Paige. Say hello, Paige. How are you doing? <laughs> Your podcast can officially drink now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, well, actually, like, not going to lie, what time is it? Three o'clock? And I do have a small glass of wine in front of me. <laughs> the only reason is because I just wrapped the very first solo episode of Game Over with the with the guys over there, and it mm-hmm. was oozy. So I needed a little drink to calm down and hang out with my girls. But Paige, it's great to have you back. Thank you very much for joining us. And Fifi, can't believe you're here. So for those of you who do not know Fifi Dubois, she is an unbelievably talented drag queen that's based here in New York City. She is also yeah. 2018 winner of Miss, was it, what is it? Miss, Miss Western? Gay Western States America. Yes, Ooh. yes. And new to the pageant scene, I might add. So that Well, is- new, new to Miss Gay America. I've, I've done other pageants, but new to the kind of systemized pageant scene yeah well a very well deserved win and we do have so for people who are just tuning in dixon politics is really what's going on in the world from a millennial's point of view current events world news politics movie tvs film so on and so forth a few months ago when we first started we gave birth to a show called when i knew and we thought it was going to be sort of a special offshoot of Dixon Politics, but Paige was our first interviewee on When I Knew, and it got bazillions of downloads, so we decided to make it, it its own show. And luckily, we also just had Fifi on When yeah. I Knew, so if you haven't heard that episode yet, go check it out. Fifi talks all about, you know, what it really takes to do drag, mentally, physically, financially, like, mm-hmm. just everything and it's a fun episode and of course it's hosted by dana powell from modern family so Phoebe, uh, i i hate hearing my own voice and i actually really enjoyed it so I, I thought it was fantastic so tell us now that you are on this podcast what has the response been so far um i haven't gotten a whole lot of, of retail i really enjoyed the episode um that's everyone that i know that's that's listened to it enjoyed it um okay. But yeah, it, I'm excited. It's it's still fresh. It only happened a couple of days ago, so I'm excited to see what uh, responses I get from it more. For sure. Well, I think that we can take this opportunity to make a very, very special announcement. Fifi, would you like to make the announcement? Sure. So when I first recorded the episode, I was already really excited about doing podcasts. I had done like one other ever, and I have decided to start my own podcast with Whatever You Say Productions. Yay! And it's going to be called Fifi's Funhouse. I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Paige, are you sweating <laughs> as well? I am. It might, be, just, it might be a mix of... I don't sweat, I glisten, so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I mean, Just a little Paige, dewy. Yeah, I know that, Paige, you're a huge follower of... All sorts of drag queens, both queens that are, you know, on RuPaul's Drag Race, as well as queens that are headlining in different cities. Um, you know, I just think Paige and I have always been one for for costume and commitment, and mm. uh, yeah, we're about it. Paige, how are you feeling about Fifi's Funhouse being added to the lineup at WISP? I'm so, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't. When I first told Paige, she's like, "Are you serious?" 
I am. Well, so Fifi's Funhouse is going to debut probably sometime early summer. We're starting yeah. to look at maybe June or July. And it's going to be a mix between um, maybe having some special guests on the show, you know, maybe if it makes sense to, you know, pull some of the other, maybe even the guys from some of, you know, either It's Bro Time or Game Over mm-hmm. in because it was really cute, Fifi. And I don't know if I had a chance to tell you this, but when I first shared that you were considering joining WISP, mm-hmm. I did so in the guys' chat, you know, because I figured mm-hmm. they might have some questions because they want to be sure that they're, you know. And it was so cute. They were so excited. And then one of them, I won't tell you which one, but one of them was like, wait, do we call him, him, her, Fifi? What do we call? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'll help you out. It's very simple. Fifi loves being called Fifi in and out of drag. It's mm-hmm. fine. If that makes you uncomfortable, then you can call him by his government name. <laughs> My slave name, if you will, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm just so proud because WISP really very quickly is becoming very diverse, and we're so looking forward to working with you. So here's what we're going to cover on this episode. So we're going to start things off, of course, with what's burning. We're going to be talking a little bit about Brexit. We're going to talk about what's been going on with Boeing. That is such drama. Then we're going to get into hashtag hashtag, where we're going to be talking about the new Marvel movie that's coming out and what the scalpers are doing to basically ruin the experience for everyone. And then Fifi's going to talk to us about what's been going on with Jeffree Star and his warehouse being robbed. And then finally, we are rounding out this episode with Rachel and Grace from A Good First Date. You guys might remember Grace. She was with us a couple of months ago. We're so proud to welcome them back. And we're going to be talking about the most important questions to ask yourself as you are getting ready to create an online dating profile. So join us. Let's kick off this episode with What's Burning. I feel very incomplete because we don't have Aurora with us this week. But Brexit, basically, if you guys have been keeping track, it's mm. an absolute mess. And now, poor Theresa May, who, like, we need to just pour one out for Theresa May because she has worked so hard and it's just slap across the face after slap across the face. But she now has gone back and asked for another extension. It was supposed to be, like, May 22nd. She's now asked for, like, June 15th, I think. Paige, do you think that we're just going to keep going back to the drawing board and going back and going back? Like, do you think that this is ever going to be resolved? Do you think Theresa May is going to step down if this doesn't get resolved by June? Tell me, you know, if you had a crystal ball, what would you predict is going to happen with Brexit? I mean, it's a complete mess right now. I... I really don't think that anybody can say either way. Um, We have, we also have Angela Merkel, um, who's trying to work some stuff out for Brexit, but people are saying it's just too late. Yeah, Um, it's a little too late. Yep. You know, and what sucks is like, I was hoping to go over to the UK with my mom, you know, just for travel. And now we're like, ah, I guess we won't go. Uh, I guess we'll just wait. But not so much. Is there a travel? Is there even a, is there a travel ban or is it just? No, there isn't a travel ban. But like, you just don't want to be there if like, first of all, like, you don't want to spend the money to get over there if you don't even know if they'll like let you out of the airport. And then like, what if you can't leave? Or go visit any of the places that you want to go to because they're like under law or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, 
I don't think that the environment over there is like violent and scary, but I do no, think no, that no. everyone is getting sort of annoyed. Like, okay, what does this mean for my job? What does this mean for my yeah. children, for my home? And what does this mean for trade and commerce? <laughs> Can someone well, please? It's the, it's the hurry up and wait game. They, they made a big decision and now it's just like, okay, now what's going to happen because of these decisions? No exactly. one has the answers. No, no and one no one has the answers. knows what Brexit looks like. That's the problem yeah. is, you know, she keeps saying, Avora said this last week, Theresa May, Theresa May's famous saying is, Brexit means Brexit, but the thing is, is because there's no deal that people have agreed on, then that literally means nothing. But yeah. we will continue to cover it. Have you guys heard about all the drama with Boeing? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, oh, girl, let me fill you in. So okay. Boeing is the big company that creates all those massive airplanes like the 737. Oh, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. uh, unfortunately, over the past few months, there have been two fatal plane crashes with Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircrafts. And both of those crashes, especially the one in Ethiopia, they're under a lot of fire because at first, when this plane crashed, not only did it kill 157 people, all the crew and passengers, but the very first data that was leaked was saying that the pilots on the plane were trying to override the system by shutting it off, turning it back on, sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. what you do with your phone. Turn it off, turn it on, hopefully it works. So mm-hmm. the name of that system is called an MCAS system, and what it does is it's a flight stabilizer, so it just keeps the plane from, like, doing a nosedive, which is essentially what it did anyway. But now here's the tea. So the Ethiopian uh, Travel Commission came out this week, and they were like, no, actually, the pilots didn't know how to override the system. And I'm like, lady, you just said a week ago that they had been trying to override it, and now you're saying that they don't know how. And then, ooh, let me tell you this, So then on top of that, in that same breath, we find out that in order to pilot this type of aircraft, you have to go through specific training to learn how to override that specific system. So someone is lying. Now, Paige, I'm going to throw this to you because your father's a pilot. How is your father, how is the Hank feeling? Thoughts, feelings, emotions, do tell. Oh, so he's he's super upset. Um, He basically thinks, so it came out that Boeing didn't put certain safety features on their newest planes because of cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way my dad feels is really that they're just trying to keep up with Airbus that makes these their massive planes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're skipping over these things to put out more and more planes and to have newer and nicer planes and they're not focusing on these safety features. Also, they're using pilots that have 200 hours of experience, which is insane. My dad, to fly his small plane, has like 5,000 hours of experience. 200 hours? That's it? Yeah, it came out that some of these pilots just were not, didn't have the, the training for mm. these systems and just in general. Um, yeah. Well, there was another guy that was talking. His name's Jeffrey Thomas. He's an aviation expert. He's based in Australia. And he was saying, like, that, first of all, we can't even really make a determination because the details are so scant at this point. And, like, the only thing we know for sure is that someone is lying. No one is willing to yeah. take responsibility. So that's number one. Number two, he said that – so I guess what someone was trying to say was that they – 
they did successfully turn off the MCAS system, but then somehow it turned itself back on. And this guy, Jeffrey Thomas, is like, uh, no, 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 that's actually impossible. Once you turn these things off, they don't turn themselves back on without human intervention. Like, they just don't. That That's not how it works. I'm like, ooh, bitch. Right. Ooh, someone's lying. But well, the CEO this, going. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Is this sorry. an older type of plane, or is this, like, a new uh, new series? So it's it's like an old model, but they continuously, like, revamp it. You know, it's okay. sort of like, oh, a Toyota Camry, but every year there's a new Toyota Camry. Right. So it's sort of like that. New features and what have you, yeah. Exactly. So, like, the MCAS system initially, they were like, oh, we put it in the flight simulator, and it was taking us, you know, 40 seconds to override, you know, whatever. It's neither here nor there. But finally, the CEO of Boeing did acknowledge that the MCAS system played a role in the Ethiopian plane crash, and he said, quote, it is our responsibility to eliminate the risk. We own it, and we know how to do it. Okay, so then do it. Right. (laughs) Do it. People are dead. I I just, yeah. When it came out that U.S. Airlines didn't have flight simulators for the 737 MAX 8 pilot training. So. That's nice. They don't have, you know, some of these airlines don't have simulators. Well, I I can't imagine that Ethiopia is going to have any better stuff than what we're going to have, you know. Yeah. As far as training goes, you know. Well, when they grounded all of these planes, my, um. My aunt and uncle were in Ecuador, and they got stuck in Ecuador. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, these planes were, because they were grounded. Yeah. Uh-huh. What a mess. Well, there's also been, so going away from aviation, let's get into, like, all this craziness with vaccinations. So I, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, and you can find me at whatever you say, babe, um, and it's all spelled out. I've been doing these, like, 60-second world news updates every weekday, and I call it Slam It With Sam. So a couple, I guess it was last week, I was talking about that there was a measles outbreak in upstate New York, and it was because these kids weren't getting vaccinated, so it forced this town to declare a state of emergency, and then they tried to say that unvaccinated children could not go in public areas. But then, Paige, what were the results of all that drama? So the judge um, decided that that's that's not going to happen. You can't ban these people from public areas. So that was declined. It's really scary that people choose not to vaccinate their kids, and we have these outbreaks. I mean, it's medieval. Yeah, we've you know we've come so far, and kids are dying because of this. So yeah, and so we're elderly people. Me, Fifi. Did you hold on, Paige? I'll ask you that in a second. But Fifi, did you know that like parents nowadays, when they have newborn babies, one of the things they vaccinate for is chickenpox. Did you know that? No. It's like a new thing they're doing. Did you have chickenpox as a kid? I definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> was it cute? <laughs> no, but <laughs> at the time, like that was everybody got chickenpox. You right. hope that we all kind of got it around the same time, exactly, so that it was done. Because then I know I had friends that didn't have chicken pox that then as um, teenagers ended up getting shingles. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, nice. Which is which is much worse. So I'd oh, much God. rather have had chicken pox as a seven-year-old eating ice cream and putting pills in cheese yeah. like a dog, you know, <laughs> to get me to eat it. <laughs> is that what you but, did? That's 
Yeah. Yes, they literally did. They would like put my pills in like ice cream too. They would like try to mix it into the ice cream so I would eat it. That's adorable. <laughs> um, literally, like what they do to dogs. Um, but no, it, I don't think. Yeah, it's miserable, but it's like you get a week off from school. Yeah. It's really not it's that fun. bad. You're itchy. You take an oatmeal yeah. bath. You eat ice cream. You take a nap, and like a week and a half later, you're fine. You put you some know? chamomile on. Yeah, you you go. Calamine, you're fine. Whatever that stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, Paige, you are actually not, and it's not by choice, unfortunately, but there's a couple of things that you're not vaccinated against. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So, well, first, I've never had chicken pox. What? Yeah. You haven't? Nope. My mom would put oh, so back hat on. I just never got chicken pox. Um, I am vaccinated against chicken pox, though. I am okay. vaccinated against measles. Mumps and rubella. It's your MMR shot that you get when you're little, and it's a series of shots that you get over time. Mm-hmm. And I had a reaction to the vaccination. I kept mm-hmm. seizing, grand mal seizures. So I'm not vaccinated against it. And it, it's, again, it's not by choice. It's just I had a, a weird reaction to it. Yeah. So it totally freaks me out that. They're having these measles outbreaks and stuff, and yes, it's way back east, but that can happen anywhere. I could get measles. Yeah, well, if you go on an airplane, and you fly a lot, Paige, so right. it's like, I don't know, man. Like, look, I, I'm very much of the mind that parents need to do what they think is best for their children. I think that that's in terms of social engagement and education and, you know, um, affection and opportunities and blah, 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 blah. However... I do think that it is irresponsible to not really look into vaccinating your children because you are putting other people at risk. We have come so far in terms of disease prevention and control, and to have it sort of set itself back now is really, really scary, and it's not fair. That's, you know, and that's all I will say. So why don't we get in? Oh, no. Pee-pee, go ahead. Sorry. There was... um a couple of years ago, this was when bird flu was a big thing. There was a news story that I saw. Um, th- this was not, this was the regular flu vaccination that this woman had got. Um, but it was around the same time as bird flu. So of course they pushed it to the front of the headlines. And this woman had gotten a vaccination and it like wrecked her, like base, like almost turned her into a vegetable. Oh my God. It was like, it was like a one in a million um, happening. Mm-hmm. But I also, when news stories like that are getting a ton of media attention, I can understand why people are afraid of vaccinations. Sure. I can too. You know, there's and all that, there's all that scare tactics that happens in, in media that scares people away from mm-hmm. things. And you know, scare tactics really are very isolated to the U.S., which really sucks. Um, there was a woman, this was probably 10 years ago, who went and got a flu shot and she had a reaction to it and she now has dystonia. So unless. Yeah, this is the story that I'm talking about. Yeah. So unless she's like, like, she can't jogging, really talk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Unless she's talking, she can't talk, she can't walk, she can't move. And yes, that is very, very scary. And I asked my doctor, I'm like, am I going to get dystonia? You know, she's chasing me around with a shot. (laughs) I'm like, am I going to get dystonia? I don't like to jog. (laughs) She's like, like, come on, you're not going to get dystonia. You're totally fine. This is just sit down, please. So I, I do understand that there is certainly an element of fear. Um, and, I, you know, it's tough now because our parents had us and the best way to learn about parenting was either like 
from your parents or Dr. Spock or like word of mouth. But now parents have Google, they have WebMD, they have access to all this information. And unfortunately, a lot of it is false and a lot of it is not helpful. So even when they do, with the best of intentions, try to self-educate, um, they can't because it's just there's a bunch of bullshit out there. So, you know, I mean, do whatever you think is best, but do keep in mind that, you know, keeping disease down is is a priority and I think that everyone should consider what they can do to do their part. I think that's fair. But I'm really excited to talk about what's going on with Marvel and Jeffree Star and all this other stuff. So let's get into it. Our very next segment called hashtag hashtag. Marvel is coming out with Endgame which is easily one of the most anticipated films of, I'd say, our lifetime. I'll I'll go as far as to say that. Have you guys heard that there's scalpers, so basically assholes that are buying tickets at any theater they can buy tickets from so that they can resell them for thousands of dollars? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I've heard about that. Is that happening? How how are they getting the thousands of dollars for... Is it for the premiere or? It's just for like the first week in general. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Who would be, I don't, I think, yeah, they're assholes for selling them at that price, but I also think you're an idiot to spend that much money to go oh, right? I, any I, type of movie, like. I completely agree, but I just. That, I think you're, you gotta be a sucker to even consider buying that. Unless, unless I'm going to sit next to, uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt himself. To like, yep. While he, like, holds my hand while I watch Endgame, I'm not paying thousands of dollars. Exactly. If I can go sit in between, like, Chris Evans and Chris Pine. Yeah. You know, while, like, what's his face? A, like, a menage a trois of all the Chris's would be yeah, great. Right? For <laughs> $2,000. <laughs> stares lovingly into my eyes and tells me I'm beautiful. <laughs> then, yeah, of course, like, I'll give you a couple thousand dollars. But if that's not going to happen, I'm not going to pay those prices. You know, no. just exactly, like, you know, it only takes one person to just ruin it for everybody else. And I just, I hate that. And I, like, I know they do this for, like, concerts, you know, for Taylor Swift concerts and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I remember, like, didn't Taylor do something a few years ago where she started to put all her tickets through this sort of weird channel? And they were more expensive, but it meant mm. that it was harder for scalpers to get them. Do you guys remember right. that? I don't, but I, I believe it. I think. But at the same time, like, scalping for a live event makes a lot more sense to me than scalping for, for a, a movie. film. For a movie. It's That's insane. That's so crazy. <laughs> I agree. Totally crazy. So, Fifi, tell us, what the hell? Okay, so Jeffree Star, for those of you who don't know, I don't know. I mean, Fifi, how would you describe Jeffree Star? Jeffree Star started out as a, a MySpace famous person, and he started recording music and did well with that for years. And now he's just like a makeup YouTube mogul. Um, he started his makeup line with just liquid lipsticks when that was like the big trend. Um, like honestly, probably like 10 years ago now. And now he has all sorts of palettes and makeup brushes and collabs with all sorts of different companies. So I only recently got back into him cause he did that. Did you see the series he did with Shane Dawson? Um, I saw one little bit of it when Shane okay. like went over to his house and I just like cried and watched that video. Yeah, so it kind of it kind of like humanized Jeffrey a little bit. This new series, um, 
that they did. So I kind of like reopened my eyes to Jeffrey. I was very anti-Jeffrey because he had said a lot of racist things in the past. He had said mm-hmm. a lot of really horrible things about other people. Kind of, I'm, I'm reallowing him into my social media circle, you know, as far as like who I follow and who I keep track of. Um, so he posted this video and it looked different than the other videos. Like it was very serious. The tagline was very serious. Um, and it was basically him recapping what happened. And he had a warehouse of, he has several warehouses that keep his stock of his products because he has, he's a billionaire now mm-hmm. as far as makeup goes. Um, and he apparently has like four warehouses. He was redoing all the security for them. And someone knew that this warehouse had lesser security than the other ones. And they stole, I think in the video, he says about $4.5 million worth of products. Some of, some of its products, some of its products that had been released, but one of the products is something he hadn't even announced. Yeah. So it had, no one even knew it was on the market. No one knew he had had created it. It had only been spoken to like his direct team. They stole one whole shade of his new concealer line, which is like 5,000 products. That's awful. And you know what? So, like, I agree. He has insane. said some things in the past that but no one deserves really unflattering. To be but robbed exactly. blind like that. Exactly. Right. No one deserves that kind of thing. And I completely agree. And here's the thing is Jeffree Star, like, he might have his opinions and I might be sort of on the fence with him, but you have to admire someone who actually works really hard. Not someone who stands there and makes orders, but like someone who works hard and Jeffrey works unbelievably hard. He's very hands-on with all of his products. Because he's also a makeup reviewer, he's very harsh on what he puts out himself. Mm-hmm. So you know his products are going to be top-notch yeah. as far as what I've experienced. Um, so it's it really is difficult, someone who is so hands-on with their company to then have. This have is not someone that just slapped their name on some merch. This exactly. Is, this is someone right. who built this created up. Yeah. So, do we have any idea, like, who took it, where it went, will they be able so to get anything So, they said back? it was, um, he believes that the FBI, who's working on, like, this is so, super serious, um, says that it's black market um, makeup dealers. Ew. About About two weeks after it was stolen, it actually showed up on a Facebook marketplace. Mm. The, oh, wow. the, new, the new product that hadn't been released found it on someone's Facebook marketplace. Um, the woman who posted it did end up getting arrested. She, um, basically was in contact with whoever the, one of the makeup black market dealers and was ordering, was going to order a bunch from them to sell, to then sell on Facebook. She was ad, she was advertising that she could get this product. Do you want it? Who wants to buy it? Wow. So she got caught and she's now in jail. They're still investigating, um, who exactly has it, but they think that um, it, a lot of the product has already been distributed. So it's already gone to like different countries, states, cities all over. Um, so oh, they, I God. think they're going to have to track it. It's going to take forever to track it down. They've got, they said they've gotten some products back, but not, not anywhere near the amount that was stolen. And he, yeah. he said, I don't think I'm ever going to get it all back. He did also say he has, good insurance so he is going to get the money back for yeah. what was stolen but even if uh, he did get it back like you can't guarantee that like the product that's in it now is the actual product that he created like people could have taken it out replaced it with junk 
You know what I mean? Like you just never know. And all it takes yeah. is for them to get one piece of packaging, one bottle. You call someone over in, you know, a, a foreign country and say, hey, can you replicate this bottle and these stickers? Oh, yeah. And then they mass. I mean, it just, you know, uh, Kylie went through something sort of similar to right. this when she came out with her lip kits. Yeah. Where, and I think, Paige, this is still happening, right? Where people are getting like tons, lip tons of counterfeit. There's tons of makeup. Counterfeit oh, yeah. All tons over the of market. counterfeit. And people are breaking yeah. out in hives, and it's terrible. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't like that. And, you know, I, I hope – I'm glad that he's going to get his money back. I'm glad that they're on it. But you're right. No one deserves <coughs> to be Sorry. robbed. No, that's fine. No one deserves to be robbed to this magnitude. I just don't think that that's yeah. right. I don't think that's fair. But it, like, goes back and begs the question, right? Like, <sighs> what I've learned is that there are people in this world who – just don't come from much. Um, and there's people that do, do come from, from something, right? But when they're faced with, you know, an opportunity to sort of get rich quick or get a leg up, mm-hmm. it never crosses my mind to take something because I work for everything I have. Mm-hmm. But I have a really hard time understanding I can understand the motivator, mm-hmm. but I have a really hard time understanding, like, how someone could wake up in the morning and say to themselves, you know what, I'm going to royally, royally screw over another person today and hurt them. That right. makes no yeah. sense to me, you know. And Paige, like, I hate to bring it back to this, you know, because obviously Paige was our first interviewee on When I Knew, and we talked about your your addiction um, to, to heroin. Um, and three years sober, you're doing great. But... Paige, like, what was that like for you when, like, you knew that in order to get high you needed money? Like, did you, when you were in that mindset, like, did you just not care, like, who you hurt? You just needed to get high? Like, what was that like? I I didn't care. And it wasn't so much that to get high, it was to stop the the physical pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, going through a heroin withdrawal is, it's extremely painful physically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it would get to the point where it wasn't even about getting high anymore it was about getting well yeah okay. and when you're in that much physical pain you don't care you're not thinking right yeah so I just wonder like if people that are in dire situations and I'm not saying that the people who robbed Jeffrey Star are addicts by any stretch but like it just makes me wonder like when you are so desperate like what will you do to survive? What will you do to get ahead? I mean, Fifi, when you're working in these nightclubs and bars in New York City, like, do you, when you're backstage in the dressing room, are you keeping, like, do you have a locker to put your costumes and your makeup in, or are you just leaving everything out? Like, is there a lot of trust within the drag community, or is everyone sort of watching their back because wigs and makeup and costumes, that's all, it's so expensive. Tell me a little bit about that. So we do, we do put a lot of trust in each other. I, a lot of venues in New York City don't really have lockers. I know in other states that I've visited, they do, like in, um, Dallas, Texas, some of the venues there have, like, you get your own, like, cubby or, like, little small boudoir for all your costumes and things. Uh, and those typically have locks on them. But, like, I've seen video footage from, um, dressing rooms of drag queens stealing from other drag queens where, like, they do that age-old trick where they act like they're too drunk and they're real sleepy. They wait till everybody leaves the dressing room and then they go around and rob everybody's tips or everybody's no, costumes or wigs. Yeah. 
It's a yeah. it's a real thing. I've seen it on camera happen to happen to drag queens that I know. Um, I don't know. I actually do think I had something stolen from me once, but it wasn't necessarily partially my. It was partially my fault that I left it there, and then when I went back for it, it was gone. Kind of yeah. thing. Um, because then I asked, I was like, "Oh, does anybody have this costume?" They're like, "No," and I'm like, "Well, I didn't take it anyplace else. Like, the only place it could have been was in this dressing room." So. Someone did steal it, but that sucks. So then, what would they even do with it? Would they take it apart and just sort of piecemeal it into other pieces that they have, or um, would they be dumb enough to just put it back on as is? Well, so I've seen, I've heard stories of other people having their stuff stolen or um, mopped or whatever, and then worn other places and have pictures taken in them, um, and then they confront that person. But they must like sometimes take them apart or sell them to other people. I don't know because yeah. I've had things stolen. I've seen people get things stolen and then it never resurfaced. Ugh. So that makes me angry. Cause Jeez. the person, I think the person knows like, Oh, I can't wear this out. In right. The right. Community because people are going to know. Yeah. And that was social media. Now everyone's going to know and someone is going to clock them like sooner yeah. or right. later. Someone's going to freaking clock them. So I had this really weird jacket that I got stolen from a venue, like this really funky, like fur jacket with like printed faces on it. It was really cool. I saw someone on the street wearing it and I didn't confront them because I'm like, but there's like an off chance that we just have the same jacket. But I'm like, this is a really niche thing. And I'm like, oh, they probably stole it or they bought it from someone who stole it. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, there goes my jacket. Like, (laughs) watched it walk on by. Well, the next time I see a jacket with unique faces all over it in your it size, was really I will, cool. it was really cool. I will cool. get it, it for white you. White and black, yeah. Okay, I'll keep my eyes peeled. I love, like, going to vintage shops anyway, so I will keep my eyes peeled. And, girl, as, like, an girl. inaugural gift into WYSU, <laughs> I will give you a black and white fur jacket, and we're going to sew your name into it so no one ever takes it. All right, you guys. Well, let's get into our next segment, which we haven't done in a long time, but it's all about dating. And we call it, So What Are We? It's like Groundhog Day, but in the best way possible, because I am so excited to share with you that Grace from A Good First Date is back with us again, and this time... She brought her colleague Rachel with her. Hello, girls. <laughs> Hi. Thanks Hi. for having us. Oh, what a gosh. nice welcome. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining us, Grace. We loved having you on the show last time. You really took dating and the whole perspective that we have. You flipped it on its head. I loved it. The listeners loved it. So today we're going to be answering a different question. But before we get into that, um, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you and Grace came up with a good first date and what you provide to your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So my background is as a licensed psychotherapist. And so I've worked with people just on any kind of goals that they've had. And, you know, I really have a good understanding of the psychological you know, backdrop of relationships and dating. And Grace and I met in our time working together as matchmakers and we reconvened, you know, in October of 2018. And we really wanted to, you know, take a look at this 
this dating situation, this modern dating situation, Mm -hmm. and really figure out how to help people succeed at their goals. And so part of what we've been really focused on is helping people embrace their authentic selves and show up as themselves and really Mm -hmm. humanize this whole kind of process that can feel really um, difficult and inorganic for people. For sure. I love it. You guys, I just, you're taking a place in the marketplace that I think was sort of lacking before, you know, it always was sort of like, oh, well, you know, you have to fit this mold and you have to be this kind of person. If you're not, then you're never going to find anyone. Or it was just, well, I can't say anything bad about it, but yeah, the point is, I think it's 2019. The best thing that we can do is show up as ourselves and put our best Mm -hmm. feet forward. But for a lot of people, it's easier said than done. You know, you get sort of society beating down on us and then there's, you know, relationships with your family and your friends that can sometimes warp your perception of your worth and what you're really looking for. So I love that you're all about just pushing that to the side and really saying, okay, This is about you and what do you want? So my question for you both today is what is the most important question to ask yourself before you start creating a profile for yourself for online dating? Grace, I will start with you. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think online dating is now becoming very commonplace. And so as before, there was more of a stigma around meeting a partner online. Now it's almost like a surprise if you met them in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're working with a lot of people that are um, coming to online dating for the first time and really want to um, create this profile and get on there. But I think, you know, the most important thing for someone to do is to not just dive in and throw a few picture, um, throw a few pictures up and see what happens. Cause I think that's when the real disasters happen. Mm-hmm. So really the number one question that you should ask yourself before you get online is, you know, who, who are you trying to meet? What is important to you in a relationship? And also what is it, what's important to um, express about oneself online? So you really have to kind of pause and think about the fundamental questions around your ideal relationship, your ideal partner, and also what you need from those two things. And then from there, we start building a profile. There you go. I love that. Rachel, how about you? What's the question that you think everyone should ask themselves before they create a profile? Yeah, I mean, I think that that I completely agree with Grace's answer. And I just to build on that a little bit, I would say like knowing (laughs) part of it is like is pausing and really taking a second to know what you're going to be really tempted to swipe on and and how you're going to stick to your own swiping rules. So mm-hmm. we're really big on developing your own kind of like playbook or roadmap to dating. And so a big part of that is, you know, the question to really ask yourself is like, how am I going to swipe on people? And a big part of that is really knowing, you know, what kind of partner you're looking for, what kind of partnership you're looking for, as well as like, what are my um, relationship patterns and what have really like led me into situations that haven't worked for me, that haven't been healthy for me? And what are those things that actually, you know, are really important to me? What are my values and what do I really need from a relationship so that, 
you can really make sure that you're like not swiping on just the person that you're like, man, this person is hot. I really want to hook up with them. (laughs) Um, And instead you're swiping on somebody that's like, you know, if your values include being family oriented, include, you know, living a life of adventure, that you're really seeking out those types of things and that you're kind of um, able to smack your hand away (laughs) a little Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. in terms of swiping on somebody just because you're really like engaged with what they're, what they look like in that physical chemistry. And of course, if you're, if you're on there and you're really looking for a hookup, like cool, you know, then swipe away on the people that are hot. But if you're really relationship minded, you really kind of need to have a really clear idea of what your swiping rules are. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I recently got back on a dating app just to sort of see, to prepare myself for this interview and really sort of see like what it was like going through that process again. And it was, it was an experience. So I went on one app and I listed like CEO of whatever you say productions. Not one guy wanted anything to do with me. So then, uh huh. So then on another app, um, I wrote producer at whatever you say productions and all of a sudden it was like the floodgates opened and everyone wanted to talk to me. Um, so that was, that was my number one observation. I mean, so to go off of that a little bit. I really don't like to say this because it's such a generalization and it's unfair. But in your experience, and Grace, I'll start with you, men intimidated by powerful women, true or false? Well, I mean, it it may be true or false. And I guess I guess my answer is more, you know, directed towards the person that I'm working with, or for you in this case, I mean, if you're the CEO of your production company, then that's an important achievement to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so it would be important for you to find someone who respects and appreciates that about you. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and so the objective is not really to get as many, I mean, it could be, but ultimately, if you're looking for a relationship, then it doesn't really matter if the majority of guys are intimidated by that because you're looking for somebody who would who be impressed it? by it. Exactly. Yeah. It so, was really yeah. weird. Two weeks, man. Two weeks went by. And I could see, like, if people were looking, and they were, and it was just nothing. It was really nuts. It was really disappointing, sure. too. Yeah. yeah, not cool. But sorry, Grace, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, and I think I mean I think that I'm I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm I'm kind of surprised that it would it would have been that stark of an experience. Um I know that when we speak to a single man, I don't think there's ever been anyone who said outright that they're intimidated by a successful woman. Maybe they've maybe in some cases a man would want to know that there's a role for him to play in mm-hmm. someone else's life. So it's more like, in any case, people want to feel appreciated in a relationship. Um, but, yeah, just going back to the online thing, I think it's really tempting to kind of shape your profile to what you think the other side would want to see. And it's, sometimes that works. You know, you post, uh, like, a hot picture of yourself in a bikini or whatever. You definitely will get more likes. But um, ultimately, we're trying to improve the quality of those likes. So you may have less matches, but hopefully better ones. Yeah, for sure. So let me then go on to the bio. I think that's sort of the meat 
of the profile. And, uh, you know, I can find some great pictures. I've been all over the place, you know, whatever. That's not the issue. Um, but that bio, really, really hard. So you think about, you know, what you want and the kind of person that you want to attract, so on and so forth. Um, but I don't know. I see a lot of different approaches. There's the witty approach. There's the minimalist approach. There's the, like, super serious approach. There's the one that uses just emojis. Which one do you oh, guys gosh. think? I know. <laughs> any. I oh, my God. There was don't a guy that, that. Just had, like, whiskey and a cheeseburger. And I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> like, that's what I like the most. But, no, I, I need someone that's going to talk. Um <laughs> But best practices here, what do you think is best to put in a bio? You've only got like a paragraph, but what is the best thing to put in there to really make the best impression? And Rachel, I'm asking you. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on you. I mean, I think like as a rule of thumb, like like emojis, you know, I think, I think that we can say like I, I we're we're really about like celebrating your individuality, but I would say like please don't use emojis um, <laughs> as a general rule. Uh, it, it's about really showcasing your personality, and so you know one thing that I really love that because Grace is our online dating specialist, one thing that I love that she says to people is about really being specific, and so you know, as opposed to giving these generalities, like I love to travel or I love to cook. It's like really digging in and, and being specific about what that looks like. And so, you know, really giving examples that showcase what your, what your interest is, because you might love to travel, but you might love like lux traveling, right? So you might want to talk about an experience you had that really would demonstrate that. Or let's say you love adventurous travel, like you know, so it's really about showcasing your personality as much as possible. And so if you are a witty person that loves like someone with a good sense of humor, like it's okay to show your wittiness or it's okay to be playful. I think sarcasm often doesn't play as well in profiles just because mm-hmm. it's really hard to know if somebody's being sarcastic. And right. And that's so a very I, personal yeah, thing hard. too. If you yeah. can't see someone's face, or get a feel for their tonality. Sarcasm can be yeah. really tough. Um, yeah, unless you're directly like quoting like a movie quote that everyone knows, then it's, you know, haha, that's great. But yeah. other than that, ooh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I have yeah. a question for you. Few guys that I, I came swiping across, like purposely posted quite frankly, some of the most unflattering photos of themselves. They're either like mid-sentence and they've got a beer spilling out of their hand or they're like, (laughs) I don't know, like jumping off a rock or something with a stick in their hand. Like I, you know, and you open their their bio and it's like senior vice president at BNP or something like that. Oh, my God. What do you guys think that's all about? Do you think that it's a defense mechanism? Do you think they're just trying to lighten the mood? Or, my question, do you think they're not really taking this seriously? Grace, what do you think when you see things like that? I mean, as much as we try to make our clients' profiles really great, I also ask them to be very forgiving when they're looking at other people's profiles because it's really hard to make a profile. Mm -hmm. And so... That yeah. those profile pictures that you described are pretty common. You know, I think you might have left out the gym, the gym. Oh yeah, the gym. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we're, I, mean, I, I just, I just think that people don't, don't know what to show about themselves and what to say about themselves, and so they kind of just revert to the, 
the mean or the norm, which is like, okay, well, I look hot in this picture, or like, um, <laughs> I'm having somebody. A good time. Yeah, that we, yeah, I like I like to party. Like this shows that I've you know I've got friends and whatever. But I, I mean, I just I don't know. I think that that's why in, in some cases it's kind of important to like if there's one picture that's really throwing you off, but the rest of them are okay, then it, it may be okay for you just to like give that guy the benefit of a doubt because it is really hard to choose. But I think that um, like one person we met had a lot of gym, like kind of gym, I'm strong pictures. Uh And it was just, he was, he was kind of like, well, this is just like what women like, you know? And and he was like the nicest, he was like a nice guy, like really smart, guy. great career, wants to get married. <laughs> it was just yeah. it was like there was such a disconnect. But, you know, I, there's yes. no manual for this stuff. So people are just right. trying their best. And yeah. Well, there wasn't a manual until you guys uh, came along and passed your <laughs> company. And now, thank goodness we have oh you as sort of guiding stars. But something else that I always look for is do they post a picture of them with their family? I mm. love seeing, even if it's like a funny Christmas card from 18 years ago, that to me demonstrates that like they love their family, they're close to their family, it's a big part of who they are. Am I getting that right, Rachel, <laughs> that, that that's what that means? Or are like, just this nice? No, I mean, I think here's the thing is like, we're, you know, we are programmed to kind of be assessing these profiles based on our own experiences and our own frame of reference. And so it's, it's really likely, you know, I would guess that like family is really important to you. And that might be a really core value for you is like, you know, kind of checking that out, right? Like, is it as important to them as it is to you? Um, And I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's, I think it's great to to look for that. And I think it's really great for people to include those family photos when, you know, family is part of their their core values. And I also think part of what happens is that we assume that the profile is almost like the profile is a summation of who they are and their most important attributes. Right. And so it could be someone who maybe they're a waiter and they're writing their novel in their spare time or they're starting a startup and they don't want to you know, they don't care enough to say it or they don't want to write it. Or maybe they didn't include a picture of their family because a lot of people that we talk to, they they think that they're, they're very insecure about the photos that they choose. And so they're only posting the ones where they think they actually look attractive. And so it's one of those things where I think it's, I think it's great that you're looking for that because that really shows that you're trying to screen and assess for what is important to you. And it, you know, and that mm-hmm. is really important. And I think, you know, looking for those things and then looking for cues maybe in their, in their bios, or even if you're like intrigued by some of their profile, even Mm -hmm. just asking questions to get a feel for like what they did the last, you know, like what they did the last weekend or whether they spend time with their family or whatever it is, not in, not in a way where you're giving them an interrogation, but getting that information up front is going to be really important for you. And unfortunately it's like, because there isn't, I mean, hopefully we will be able to like, you know, create a memo for everybody to follow or some kind of like guidebook, like a pocket sized guidebook, you know, but I think until everybody is using the same rules in terms of creating their profiles, it's, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My last question for you guys is this, the gentlemen who decide to 
add in a picture of them with a niece or a nephew, some sort of a baby <laughs> under the age of three. I mean, but then they say very, so they have this adorable picture and in their bio, it's like, not my kid. Okay, fine, dude, chill. But then like way down below, it says like, doesn't have kids, doesn't want to. What? <laughs> what? Why are you showing me how cute you look with this squishy little oh baby? Oh my gosh, I love it. Like, but you don't want to be a dad. I just, I, oh my god, men, men of New York City, please help me understand. I mean, Grace, what do you think that's all about? Is that just a way to get the ladies? hearts to melt and think, oh, well, maybe I could change his mind. He's already <laughs> holding a baby in this picture. What do you think it is? Yeah, it's clickbait. Ah, gross. <laughs> I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're. Your ovary is, like, like, throbbing. Yep. <laughs> a, little, a little baby, and then you say you don't want to have babies, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I can't. I Too can't. late. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. So, all right. funny. I I really like, okay, I, I know that I said that was my last question, but I lied. I have one more question. I love it. <laughs> this is an encore question. So we talked a little bit about, like, a timeline, right, Grace? We had this conversation last time where it's like, you know, how, how long into a relationship, you know, can you make it official and how long can we say I love you, blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to sort of kickstarting dating, right, and you're making an online profile and whatever, what have you guys seen is sort of the typical timeline for kind of, you know, version one, version two, version three, finally getting your profile to a place that you're happy with it and then meeting someone and actually having a good first date? Does it vary? Mm -hmm. Like, do people often have to go back to the drawing board? And, Rachel, I'll ask you, do people often have to go to the drawing board and sort of strip it down and start again? Um, or, you know, is it possible to get it right on the first try and within, you know, a couple months, yes, have a really good first date? Yeah. I mean, I think when people are working, are working with us, I think, you know, they're within like the first couple weeks, I think of working with Grace, they're definitely, I mean, I think the best thing is, is that people, they really love their profiles and they feel really good and really confident about them. And a lot of, you know, our clients have said like, it's really great because I feel like there's a weight off my shoulders because this represents me authentically. And I feel like I can really show up as myself on the date because these, these people are wanting to meet me because they're seeing the snapshot of me. And it's so true about me and the messaging and everything. I feel like, you know, so confident that I'm, I'm my authentic self. So I don't have to pretend when I'm on the date. And so it relieves and alleviates a lot of that anxiety. Um, But I do think there are times where, you know, one of the biggest things is that it is a dynamic process. And so, you know, depending on what what apps you're using, depending on what you're really looking for, like there I'm I don't know. I mean, I'd have to ask Grace if she can think of of any situations. But like, I think for the most part, after, you know, after the changes are made and they're really kind of approaching online dating with this with this attitude and like their pictures and their the text piece of the profile is really representative of them I think they're pretty much finding success pretty quickly I think it's just a matter sometimes of finding the right app for their you know demographic depending on who they want to meet and how old they are and just factors like that but like it's 
I think it's also the mindset, to be honest. I think part of what happens is that, you know, a lot of people use online dating kind of like Instagram, like, hey, I want to get as many likes as possible or I want as many matches as possible or you know, to me, I'm, I'm like winning the online dating game if I'm like yeah. matching with, with the hottest people or with everybody I want to match with. Must and be nice. Yeah, right. But it's like, but nobody, yeah, so nobody, but nobody ever feels like they're winning, right? Yeah. And so part of it is really what we talk about is like, don't, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And the people that you're matching with, you're going to have a better chance of having a, a good first date with them. Versus if you're just playing like the hot or not game. And so essentially it's like the more true your profile is to to you and the more that you're really tuned into what with what you're looking for. And so how you're swiping and then how you're messaging your the way that you're using it and your mindset around it. Like I'm going to really be careful and I'm really going to be intentional about who I'm swiping on um, and that I I'm not depersonalizing it too. So the people that I'm matching with, I'm, I'm really meant to, to match with. And if I'm not matching with someone, it's not about me. It's about just the fit. It's about yeah. the assumptions that they're making. And it's really like, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's neutral. And so going out on less dates, but more, like more meaningful, higher quality, you know, more compatibility, that's really the outcome. And so I think it, I think people's, um, like kind of definition of success really shifts too. So I think people feel really good because their their profiles look different, the way their messaging is different, and the way they're thinking and the way they're relating to the app and to their, mm-hmm. you know, to online dating in general feels different. So I think yeah. it's just Okay. Yeah, they get on a good first date usually like usually pretty quickly. Okay. Um, All right. Well, but within a month, I would depends. say. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, there is no like sweet spot for like a certain age that's, you know, better than the next or a certain timeline or anything like that. But the best thing you can do, I think what I'm taking from this is just be yourself, really think about it and then yeah. know that if Prince Charming doesn't or like if Cinderella, whomever, like doesn't come <laughs> along instantly, it's not because you suck. It's not yeah. because you're a jerk or you're unworthy. It's just, you know, maybe you need to tweak your messaging or tweak a couple photos or just be patient because it'll yeah. happen eventually. We can't worry about it too much. But anyways, well, thank you both so much for joining me for this episode. I'm so thrilled that I could have both of you on the show. I appreciate it. And we hope to welcome you back very, very soon. Great. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Dicks and Politics. Digestible and unfiltered content about men, money, and moments. New episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe.